the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Senate grills the Pentagon during a hearing over the Chinese spy balloon. The United States is their number one uh, target to, to get uh, intelligence information by whatever means they can get it. Project Veritas founder James O'Keefe has put on paid leave as the board decides his fate. It is not uncommon to have a, you could have a person like who's a very effective um, organizer and not necessarily be a skilled manager. The IRS asks that you delay your 2022 tax filing. It's incredibly disruptive to go into a tax season and for the IRS to say, whoa, 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 hold on. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Friday, February 10th. I'm Jim Bartow. On Thursday, the U.S. Senate grilled Pentagon officials over the Chinese spy balloon. And lawmakers became visibly angry at the hearing when they learned that the military waited over a week to shoot the balloon down. Senator Dan Sullivan of Alaska says that the hesitancy to shoot down the balloon over legal questions is infuriating. Somehow they had the legal authority to shoot it down over South Carolina but not Alaska. I looked at him and said, that is absurd, right? Go get a better lawyer. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas blasted Pentagon officials, saying their refusal to shoot down the balloon right away made America look weak. This should have been shot down over Alaska, that um, the defense, the Department of Defense has too many lawyers, and we're just perceived as very weak across the nation, across the world. According to reports, the balloon first entered the U.S. off the coast of Alaska on January 28th where it was detected by NORAD, the joint air defense system of the U.S. and Canada. Despite angering lawmakers, Pentagon officials defended their decision to wait to shoot it down. We think before we shoot, and in this case, we thought before we shot. I am very confident in the authorities that were granted to the NORAD NORTHCOM commander to make decisions here, that the decisions he made were in the best interest of the United States and our citizens, Retired Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis lays out what he believes the spy balloon was looking for. They're trying to intercept any kind of radio communications, uh, uh, telephone communications, anything that has signals that can be intercepted, uh, primarily from from communications. Uh, That that kind of thing there obviously would most certainly be looking either at military or at uh, potentially uh, espionage, uh, uh, business espionage, trying to get uh, our business secrets, etc., and then, of course, they also had, uh, according to the U-2 spy plane, uh, photographs that were taken before the shootdown occurred. It also had optical capabilities as well, so it would be taking, uh, you know, high-resolution photographs. Davis explains that while most people are fixated on the spy balloon, the Chinese government has other ways to spy on the U.S. too. you got to know that they uh, have to be placed in the United States as their number one uh, target to, to get uh, intelligence information by whatever means they can get it. We certainly know that they're using all kinds of things. I mean, not not the least of which is TikTok, as we know uh, recently that a lot of talk going on about that. Certainly the spy spy balloon, but of course their spy satellite constellations, which are constantly over the United States, are much more capable 
uh, both in signals and in optical uh, intelligence gathering. So it's quite robust. Uh, this is just one of them, and it just gained a lot of uh, notoriety right now because of the high-profile nature of it getting shot down, I think. Davis also says that, in his opinion, China's claim that the balloon was for weather proves that they're embarrassed over getting caught. I can't imagine China going, yeah, you got us, it was a spy, satellite, spy balloon. Uh, so, of course, they're going to say that, but we have proof positive that it was not. Uh, and, and China, look, they, they want to put this behind them as quickly as possible. I think they're really embarrassed by how this has all worked out. The hearing in the Senate was part of a series of hearings related to the spy balloon. In the House, there was a resolution condemning the Chinese Communist Party's use of a high-altitude surveillance balloon, which passed unanimously 419 to zero. The crisis in Turkey continues, as new reports confirm that more than 21,000 people have died and 78,000 have been injured in the wake of two major earthquakes in the region. The United States Geological Survey says that the 7.8-magnitude quake struck 14 miles east of Nurdagi in Turkey's Gaziantep province at about a depth of 14 miles. Remy Innocencio reports that two American search and rescue teams are now on the ground in Turkey to aid in the rescue efforts. Just yesterday, two urban search and rescue teams from USAID, the U.S. Agency for International Development, did land in Turkey. One of them is from Los Angeles, the other from just outside Washington, D.C. in Fairfax, Virginia. Now, each of these teams has about 80 people and with them a dozen rescue dogs to hopefully sniff out survivors' buried in the rubble that we've been seeing there. Uh, They're also bringing about 85 tons of equipment. That includes hydraulic tools to break through concrete of those buildings, along with saws, torches, and drills. And in fact, these two teams are the only such teams in the U.S. that actually go overseas. They've already got a lot of experience responding to earthquakes. Uh, They've been to Japan, to Mexico, and Nepal. And we're learning that in total so far, the U.S. has deployed more than 150 search and rescue personnel. Innocencio goes on to say that the Turkish government is coming under fire for their handling of the crisis. With that death toll now just updated to more than 20,000, that has surpassed the death toll from Turkey's last major earthquake, and that was in 1999. Uh, More than 18,000 people died in that one, and it was even in a more populated area in the country's northwest. So these criticisms that we are hearing that are building fast, uh, that the government of President Recep Tayyip Erdogan was just not prepared, that they moved too slowly... And perhaps most frustratingly is that earthquake funds that have been collected over the past two decades since that last earthquake have, according to many people, have just disappeared. Uh, Even Erdogan himself admitted that his government, at least on day one, had some discomforts, uh, which I think a lot of people will say is extremely conservative, but he's now gone on to say that from the second day, basically he's pushing back, he's saying that from the second day through now, the situation, his quote, under control, but when we're looking at these scenes of devastation uh, and aid only now making its way in after more than three days to many, many others, the phrase under control is probably not a phrase that they would use. The natural disaster is one of the deadliest quakes in two decades. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400.
I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. According to reports, Project Veritas, the undercover outlet that has made headlines for exposing entities like CNN, abortion clinics across the country, and even ballot harvesting operations, has put the organization's founder, James O'Keefe, on paid leave. Project Veritas released a statement that said O'Keefe would be on leave while the board of directors decided if they should remove him from his position. This comes as several outlets published an internal memo from the company, which alleges poor behavior on the part of O'Keefe in the form of berating employees and eating a sandwich that belonged to a pregnant woman. The company's statement reads in part, quote, Project Veritas Board of Directors and Management are constantly evaluating what the best path forward is for the organization. The board and management are continuing this internal evaluation to assure our long-term success. Project Veritas will never stop, and we will never let our supporters down, end quote. Robbie Suave of The Hill says that while he's skeptical of the outlets who reported on the alleged mismanagement of Project Veritas by O'Keefe, he doesn't believe that they would lie about having the internal memo from the company. It was reported by New York Magazine, by The Daily Beast, by Rolling Stone, others. Obviously, I've been very critical of many of these publications, so I, I never take what they say without a grain of salt. But they apparently obtained this memo. I wish they had published it in full, but mm. I believe they... I don't think they would lie about having a memo they don't actually have, uh, which expresses the frustrations of employees of the company, that um, that it was an abusive environment, that there's some kind of financial mismanagement. Mm -hmm. Brittany Joy Gray, also of The Hill, outlines what is alleged in the memo. Apparently, he's accused of overseeing a, quote, raucous, sexually charged workplace, complete with at least one drug overdose. Um, there, the Project Veritas is under scrutiny for paying for the Ashley Biden um, mm -hmm. diary and the journalistic integrity and perhaps even legal viability of having done so. Um, there are someone that characterized um, the the mood at the office as saying uh, the beings will continue until morale improves. Right. Suave believes that while O'Keefe may have been good at organizing, his managerial skills may be lacking. To be clear, if the Daily Beast just characterized it this way, I would not necessarily believe it. But th this is directly from a memo signed by a third of the employees mm -hmm. at Project Veritas. They are saying that um, his leadership is not great. And, you know, you know, it is not uncommon to have a – you could have a person like a James O'Keefe who's a very effective um, organizer or producer of video or of content – and not necessarily be a skilled manager of people. These are these are different skills. Sometimes an organization has you know a front man who's the spokesperson for the organization is producing all their good stuff, but you have other people in charge. It looks like he took he had s some people who were in the managing role who I guess he clashed with. He had them gotten rid of, and they were the, the company has voted the board or whoever it is voted to reinstate those people mm -hmm. over his objection. Suave explains some of the work that Project Veritas 
Hamas has done and why their work is important. They've done these expos. They do these kind of hidden camera stings on employees at hostile mainstream media companies of maybe of some Democratic aligned interest groups. Uh, most recently, they did one of Pfizer where they, they have someone who ostensibly thought uh, a Pfizer employee is on a date with someone who's working for Project Veritas. The Pfizer employee over drinks is describing some happenings at Pfizer that are of the public interest. And the person is saying stuff about Pfizer that I think is interesting and kind of alarming. He's saying that stuff going on in meetings is not necessarily what they're telling you about. Maybe some of the research being conducted is, is not what you know is being conducted. He talked about the incentives that Pfizer has, similar to the defense industry, to um, to kind of co- to have a lobbying arm, people in and out of government working for Pfizer. We know that is the case. That's mm-hmm. the case of Scott Gottlieb, former FDA commissioner, works for Pfizer now. Many supporters of Project Veritas have voiced their opposition to removing O'Keefe. Lori Mills, host of Undercover California, wrote, Big mistake. The people know who is Project Veritas. Kind of like when the Apple board removed Steve Jobs. Hope you thought this through. Dana Lash, host of Dana Lash Radio, tweeted, Not sorry. I'm going to trust the person I've known for over a decade more than a board who rides the coattails of that person's instincts and gumption. A thread from the founder of Old Row claimed, citing a source within the outlet, that what is happening to O'Keefe is nothing short of a hostile takeover attempt from two members of the board over weak allegations of misconduct. There's a new designation for cartels. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on this developing story. Numerous state attorneys general want Mexican drug cartels to be classified as terrorist organizations. In a letter to President Biden and Secretary of State Antony Blinken, AGs from various states, including Texas, Florida, Georgia, Iowa, and Ohio, said the classification is necessary due to the ever-increasing amount of American deaths due to fentanyl and the increase in human trafficking. The AGs say cartels are a national security threat. Tasha Stevens reporting. Don't file your 2022 tax returns yet. That's according to the IRS, who is now recommending that taxpayers hold off on filing if they received a tax refund or payment for their state last year. The IRS is now telling millions of people to hold off on filing. Why? 19 states passed out special relief checks to help with inflation last year. And now the IRS is saying it has to clarify whether those rebates should be taxed federally, a process the agency says takes time since the rules surrounding those checks vary from state to state. According to reports, last year, 19 states offered many programs that offered a relief from inflation. And the IRS says that they're not sure if they can tax those relief payments. Ryan Ellis, president for a free economy, has advice if you have already filed your 2022 taxes. Well, if someone's already sent in their return, I I think probably the best thing to do at that point is to just wait. Don't feel like you have to do an amended return. Don't feel like you have to do any sort of corrections. Uh, Wait until, um, you know, if the IRS has a problem or they think that you should have paid taxes on something that you received from your state, they'll send you a letter and they'll say, well, you know, pay an extra couple hundred dollars in taxes and you should have included it on your return. Uh, But there's a very good chance you may never get that letter. Uh, The IRS may also take it out of an anticipated refund that you have coming. Um, So the best thing I think you could do in this situation, if you've already filed, is to not do anything. Wait, hold off, see if anything comes of it. If you haven't filed yet, I would say maybe hold off for a few more weeks. 
I can't imagine the IRS is going to take much longer than that once they put this notice out. Ellis goes on to say that the IRS asking for taxpayers to hold off their filings is incredibly disruptive and inconvenient. Taxpayers have a reasonable expectation, and as a tax preparer, uh, I especially have this reasonable expectation, that the rules are going to stop on December 31st, that we're going to have a clean tax season to look forward to. Everything is stopped at that point. The IRS has put out all of its notifications, all of its rules and notices, and that we're going to have a tax season after that. Uh, It's incredibly disruptive to go into a tax season and for the IRS to say, whoa, 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 hold on. We got one more thing we forgot to do before the end of the year. Uh, That really puts a, a, a halting motion on everything. And as you might suspect, in tax season, it's a grind. It's a very limited amount of time. There's 150 million tax returns plus that have to get filed by the end of tax season, plus maybe a few during extension season. And every week that goes by is a week that there's 10 or 15 million tax returns that haven't been filed yet if we're holding off. Uh, So it's incredibly disruptive. And the IRS really does have a reasonable expectation of getting this stuff done by Christmas. If you got a tax refund from your state in 2022, the IRS is recommending you hold off on filing your tax return until the agency gives further instructions. Certain states that provided these refunds have determined that these payments are not taxable for most people. What needs to be determined is if these refunds are taxable on a federal level. Big money is pouring into primary care clinics as healthcare giants hunt for ways to cut costs by keeping people healthy. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen has more on this story. CVS Health has announced it will spend nearly $11 billion to buy Oak Street Health, a company that runs care centers for mostly lower- to middle-income people with Medicare Advantage plans. Three months ago, Walgreens announced a $9 billion investment in Village MD's acquisition of Summit Health City MD, an urgent and primary care chain. CVS CEO Karen Lynch says she sees primary care as a key to improving patient health. She says although primary care represents only about 10% of health care spending nationally, it holds what she calls significant influence over health care use. I'm Mike Hempen. And finally, this weekend, the Philadelphia Eagles will meet the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl 57. And most sports experts predict it will be a close matchup. The Eagles were 14-3 and in the regular season, while the Chiefs shifted into first place in Week 10 of the AFC, and they have who many believe to be the best quarterback in the NFL. Mike Florio of NBC Sports says that while the Eagles are a favorite to win, don't count the Chiefs out. The Eagles is one-and-a-half-point favorites, so they can't wear their dog masks. They can't call themselves underdogs. They can't have a chip on their shoulder. That plays into the Chiefs' hands just like in the AFC Championship when I should have seen it coming. Now, that game could have gone either way. Of course it could have. But once it ended and they just unleashed that vitriol that made it clear they were paying attention to all the talk about Burrowhead, all the talk about the Bengals, the Chiefs were motivated by the fact that they were underdogs, and they're going to be motivated by it in this one. Florio breaks down why he feels the Chiefs will have a slight advantage. The playoffs laid out in a way where they got to play a team that was not even in the same stratosphere as them in the Giants in the divisional round, and then the Purdy thing, where the, the Chiefs, like to what you're saying, Mike, are going to sit here and go, wait, we're underdogs, we're the team that's won the Super Bowl, we have the MVP and the best player in the league, we've been here three out of four years, like what the f- I, I totally can see them playing that that angle inside their locker room right now. 
Chris Sims, also of NBC Sports, echoes Florio's statement on the Chiefs having an edge coming into the Super Bowl. If we just evaluated the who's the underdog or going to have the chippiness factor of, wait, we've been disrespected here a little bit, I would certainly favor the Chiefs in that department. And this is something we've talked about a lot here during this week, right, when we're not doing our podcast is, you know, is, is the, the, the Eagles haven't had to beat Chippy in seven weeks. Sims explains why he feels Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes will be a deciding factor in the game. The Chiefs have a lot back to two years ago. Yeah. They have guys who know what this week is like, know what this routine is like, know what it's like to have a 25-minute halftime. Yeah. There are just advantages that come through being experienced. And you've got a guy in Patrick Mahomes who is determined to get to number two, who is determined to carry the team as far as he possibly can. Nothing against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles because I think the Eagles are deserving of being here. Of course. They are a great team top to bottom. What they've done defensively and offensively this year is spectacular. But to me, that 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 just... That the Chiefs and having gone through difficult games to get here, and it's just there's something about you can see the look on Patrick Mahomes' face. There's a determination when you combine that with his talent, it makes him unstoppable. Sims goes on to say that while they give the Chiefs the edge, there are many factors going into the big game that could prove consequential. I feel like I'm in a game here this year where it's like there's eight things. I can't even pinpoint the one or two things that I think are going to make the difference in the football game. And I think that's where it's fascinating. There's a lot of, like, tide-turning matchups within the matchup that I think could have a big effect on the overall football game. Many sports experts say that while the game is predicted to be tight, their money's on the more experienced quarterback. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Jim Barto. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.